because we are recording at midnight Chicago time, um, which means my parents are asleep. Uh, so I have to be somewhat uh, considerate while we record this episode on mental health. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> you kind of sounded like, you know, when you're scrolling on TikTok and it goes on that ad for like the meditation app and they're like, and now, um, yes, yes. And they're like, and now feel the color purple going in through your toes, up your legs, in your esophagus and out your butthole. <laughs> to be honest, I like meditating. So like I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> For sure. Calm's never going to sponsor us ever. Not that we would ever get a sponsor, but like on the <laughs> that we did, Calm would be like, you remember that time you said breathe in the color purple? <laughs> <laughs> Exhale. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna sponsor us, but um it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> we're, we're fine. Um, but if you do calm or calm representative we will happily take your sponsorship <laughs> follow us at pink lemonade add me add me do you remember instagram <laughs> we also have a twitter now we, oh, should yes. that. we have a twitter it's just pink lemona with it just ends <laughs> at the a <laughs> lemona one the number one uh and that's where you can find us on twitter um do you remember when Calm did that collaboration with Harry Styles? Yes. And you had to pay money to hear Harry Styles, like, what was he even doing? Like, reading a he bedtime story? He was reading story? a bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> but the tea is, I would have paid for it. <laughs> the thing is, okay, here, I'm not going to lie. I did Google it because I thought it was free. <laughs> and the moment I found out you had to pay for it, I was like, listen, I love Harry Styles. I've stand him since he was, you know, in his One Direction day- days from the beginning. But uh, I'm just not willing to pay pay for him to read me a bedtime story. Um, but anyway. Welcome to the next episode of Just Pink Lemonade. This is episode five. I'm your host. Vidiana. Is it episode five? It's episode five. Can you believe Wow. I know. People have listened to our first four episodes and have decided to keep coming back. (laughs) That confuses me. (laughs) I'm so grateful. Like, I, I, I think I can speak for the both of us in that we are so grateful for all of the people actually listening to our podcasts, but... When we first started this, we really thought that there would be three listeners. Beatty, me, and maybe, like, your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it still just, like, astounds me that people choose to listen to us. I know. We, I want to just echo the sentiments. Very grateful for everybody who's listening um, and who has decided after our four episodes of just chaos and rambling that we're worth you know an hour or so of your time every week uh we really appreciate that um I know I was joking around about this in the beginning uh but this episode is about mental health 
So if at any point, you know, you decide that this podcast episode is just not for you, mm-hmm. either for any type of reason, whether it's triggering to you or, um, you know, you just you're not ready for this conversation or to listen in on it, whatever it is. It's totally cool. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. No and hard feelings. to kind of like do a more, I guess, upfront content warning, we will be talking about things like depression, anxiety, um, that sort of stuff. So again, if it's triggering, please log off. Um, Come join us next week. We might be talking about something a little more lighthearted. We would love to hear you guys. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Beanie and I are in the weirdest mood today, which is why we chose to record at midnight. Midnight. Yeah. Um, We've been on a weird wave for the past couple of hours. Um, I think we're just on a high. Paul and I had interviews today. Um, yes for grad school and se- separate institutions um, what today that we interviewed for and we were practicing last night uh, because you know sisters set sisters up for success triple mm-hmm. s mm-hmm. sister sister success mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am what some would call a little anxious bunny and so I needed BD to calm my nerves a little bit. And that kind of just turned out to be her um, practice interviewing me. And that actually really did help. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say that both of our interviews today went really well. Um, I don't know if it's allowed, but the people who interviewed us essentially were like, look out for an acceptance letter. And and I were like, is this legal? Like, can you speak <laughs> to us? Like, we were so like thankful, and like, it means so much to to hear that from the person interviewing you. But I was also convinced that my lady who was interviewing me today was drunk. But like, that's for another <laughs> day. The point, yeah. Um, so I think Paula and I are just operating on a really big high right now. In that we pretty much have been accepted to grad school for like pretty prestigious institutions, I'd say. And I don't know, it's just really nice to see your hard work kind of pay off. And so mm-hmm. Paul and I have been in like the weirdest of moods um, for the basically ever since our interviews and our interviews ended at like three o'clock Chicago time, which is one, one o'clock, o'clock. My time, yeah. <laughs> and it is currently midnight. So you can just imagine it's been quite the day <laughs> for us. <laughs> and of course, on the day where we're feeling pretty positive uh, and feeling pretty good, we decide, hey, let's do an episode on depression. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I think that honestly, it's a good thing that we are in such a positive, happy mood when talking about mental health because it makes it a little bit less morbid, you know? And I think that it shows that even if you are someone struggling with mental health, you're not sad all the time. (laughs) Like there are the ups and the downs. And I think that it looks different in every person. Um, And so I'm glad that we're happy right now because it's kind of rare (laughs) that we're both in a good mood at the same time you know what I mean like yeah that makes it sound like we are a very depressing couple um which we we are (laughs) I wouldn't say we're depressing I think that we just like to poke fun at our struggles with mental health and I think that like 
we both have managed to normalize the conversation surrounding mental health with one another and with our friends. And mm-hmm. so it's easy to make fun of it um, because- uh, Make fun of it about ourselves. We yes, don't make about ourselves. Other people. We want to clarify that right now. We never poke fun at anybody else's mental health besides our own. Yes. Paul and I do take mental health very seriously but because we take it so seriously we tend to not take it seriously for ourselves in terms of like everyday conversation I think we really try to remove the stigma around it Mm -hmm. by like we're just like straight up about it like I'm a depressed hoe you know (laughs) I've been dealing with depression since I was like 12 Mm -hmm. like 12 yeah like 12 11 12 years old um you know I'm 22 now so a good decade of my life, um, I've been dealing with depression. And uh, another thing I want to touch on is you said, like, it's good that we're in a good mood because um, it's to like show people, I guess that, you know, like you were saying, like, we're not sad all the time. But that's the thing with at least with me with depression is like, it's like this underlying thing, right? I think a mm-hmm. lot of people think about depression as like, something where like it, it it means like you you hear the example like oh I can't get out of bed in the morning and like of course there are days where I feel like that um but it's like even on the days where I'm like fully productive and I've gotten all my work done and I've you know I've seen people I've gone out and I've seen the sun which is something I rarely ever do <laughs> in a couple last episode I think I mentioned I'm vitamin D deficient and um you know if, even if I've done all of those things that would constitute you know your typical day or like a good day that's the thing about depression is that even sometimes like the feeling of joy isn't there or like satisfaction isn't there all the time and so it's sometimes depression looks different on other people and I think that's really important to stress in this episode Mm -hmm. at least for me in my perspective and do you want to talk about how you came to kind of the acceptance of having depression because I you just mentioned that like you know that you have been struggling with it since you were 12 but I'm sure that when you were 12 you didn't know what it was you know you were kind of just like why am I feeling this way and so like what was your journey with that um it was it was wild so for anybody I, I'm not even sure if we're gonna post like the the visual recording of this anywhere it's probably gonna go on our on our Instagram um and so for anybody who sees me and follows us on Instagram, you're going to see my outfit right now, which is um, for just the audio listeners. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm wearing a like uh, olive green t-shirt uh, and a black beanie um, and my, my glasses. And so I look very like hipster. If you're familiar with Chicago, I pretty much look like the embodiment of Wicker Park. Um, and so I was, I was joking around this before we started recording with Paula and I was saying my emo is showing right now. Um, and I, I joke about that because when I was about, you know, 11 or 12 years old, I, that's when I started like my whole emo scene kid phase. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I started like listening to rock music and a lot of things like that. And I wasn't really doing that before. Um, but around that age, that was when I started like hanging out with a lot of what you would get, I guess, categorized like as skater boys. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was hanging out with a lot of those kind of rocker kids um, in middle school. And a lot of them were also dealing with um, mental health issues. And at the time, obviously I didn't have the language for that. I didn't know um, that that's exactly what it was. And um, 
I started kind of hanging out with people who kind of took a help or I don't want to say took away the joy of my life or anything like that but like I was hanging out with people who had very like cynical views of life Mm -hmm. um and it really and they were older than me I should say and uh, you know again I was like 11 or 12 um so the I was really at a very influential age um and the people who I was hanging out with, again, very cynical. Um, and, you know, eventually, like, I started adopting those same kind of outlooks on life. Um, and, you know, you experience trauma and things like that. And then um, I was also really insecure about my body. And, like, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, I think, where I talk about just, like, how comfortable I am with my body now versus how I was in the past. And so it was just like the culmination of all of these things of like body insecurity. Um, I know my parents were having a a tough time in their, their marriage at the time. I wasn't particularly close to my siblings. Um, And so the, my real support was coming from that group of friends. And so I was spending a lot of time with them. Um, and again, just like around a lot of negative energy. Um, and it was a, just a culmination of things. And eventually, um, you know, that was when I, my kind of depression was at a peak. Uh, I eventually came to terms with it because my mom forced me <laughs> into therapy um, or like counseling at the local like youth center. Um, which I hated going to the youth center because I was like a rebel without a cause. And I was just like, <laughs> I, I was like, I do not belong at the youth center. Like, you know, like I don't want to be around these kids. Like they're whack. Um, but really it was just like, there were good kids. And um, I, I went to, I went to counseling and I started, I would ditch my counseling session sometimes. Cause I just like, I didn't want to talk to a stranger about my problems. Um, eventually, you know, my parents caught on, like they noticed that I wasn't going to counseling because somebody told on me, I don't know who, but somebody told on me and and they found out that I wasn't going to counseling. Um, And eventually I started to accept the fact that I was dealing with something heavy because, um, you know, my parents had come together to notice something was wrong with Mm. me, um, which was, again, just not something that was common at that time. Now my parents are like more in love than ever, which is so weird. Um, But, um, you know, I love them. That was probably like the first time that I realized like, okay, maybe something's like not okay. And then, you know, going into high school, I, I made new friends um, who inspired me to be better, basically, who I I made friends who were really dedicated in school, who um, wanted just to get out of the hood and like live better lives. And it was really inspiring to be around people like that and other women. I should mention my, my friends um, from middle school were all male. And so I was around other women uh, for a while in high school. And again, it was just inspiring. And that kind of helped me deal with the fact and like really come to terms with like, okay, you have depression and that's okay. Mm-hmm. As, but like, you need to, you need to like accept that first. Like you mm-hmm. can't fix it unless you um, accept it and talk about it. And so that was really where kind of my my approach to my mental health changed, I think. I, I feel like that was very long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, 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 no. But I, I think it really helps not only myself, but also our listeners kind of see how you came from a 12-year-old VD who was like, <laughs> this isn't just a phase, mom, to like <laughs> actually recognizing that there was something at the root of what you were feeling. And I also just want to like put it out there that neither of us are experts on any of this. Neither of us have any sort of certification to be giving advice on mental health, but anything we say right now, I think is just from our own lived experiences. So take everything Mm -hmm. with a grain of salt and think of it as like asking a friend for advice, but neither of us are therapists. Neither of us are like, yeah. Um, we're not like condoning anything. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. Just, we're experts um, in our own experience, and that is it. And I think that's something that a mentality that applies to all of our all of our episodes. Really, mm-hmm. like whenever we talk about like race, ethnicity, anything to do with politics, or like right now mental health, body image, things like that. Like we are not experts in any of these things. <laughs> these are just like our thoughts, and we are again speaking from our own personal experiences. Um, but yeah, you're right. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I we just needed to put that out there. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that like is also important to point out in like your experience is that I, I think for the both of us, we're very high functioning in that mm-hmm. if people aren't looking hard enough, we are very quote unquote normal. Um, and not only normal, we excel and mm-hmm. it's, we fly under the radar. Yeah. Like we don't, we are not your typical like example of two girls experiencing anxiety and depression. And so the way that I think of me and Beatty is we are like Eeyore and Piglet. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Like that is, no, I, I know, I know that's, that's truly like our dynamic and like we work so well together, but sometimes it gets a little, uh, chaotic at times because of our conflicting emotional states. Most of the time, <laughs> like I am always functioning at like 180% and VD is like, Paula, calm the fuck down. Like you don't need <laughs> to worry about that thing you said to that one person eight years ago. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and-, and then on the opposite end of that, there are days where I'm operating at like 20%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, Vidi, are you okay? <laughs> I could hug you even though I'm in California and you hate physical touch. <laughs> but yeah, like with us being high functioning, like it's also not only us, there are so many other people who are high functioning. And with that being said, are then undiagnosed because you then just hide it when you want to hide it. Um, and that's not to say that you can easily like hide your mental health, but some people just display it a little more obviously. I don't know how to explain what I mean. Like you and I show up to class. We do well in class. We have friends. We like go out. We like do everything. We laugh. We We, like are happy a lot of the time, but it doesn't take away the reality that we are experiencing depression and anxiety and like speaking for myself I am a very happy person like I (laughs) I I think I experience joy more than any other emotion for the most part and 
I think that kind of plays a role in my anxiety because when I'm not experiencing joy and I'm feeling literally anything else, my body freaks out. I mentally, emotionally, and physically freak out when I'm feeling anger or sadness or like anything of that sort. And that's not normal for anyone who's watched Inside Out. Like in order to experience joy, you need to experience sadness. But my body like rejects that for some reason. Um, <laughs> and similar to Vidi, like it's definitely been something that like I've dealt with since I was little um but it really came into fruition I'd say sophomore year of college when everything literally everything in my life like came tumbling down and um with that being said I'm not I, I don't want people to think that it like magically disappeared and then came back. I was always an anxious little bean, but like mm -hmm. it was really sophomore year where I was put to the test in whether or not I could still come across as this high functioning person because mm -hmm. it was sophomore year that I became that stereotypical person dealing with mental health you know what I mean like I was turning to substances I was like skipping class I pierced my nose I like I was just not living a healthy lifestyle and so things that contributed to my anxiety sophomore year was like things going on at home I had a lot of family members who were either sick or like passed away I don't know how to say that without like trying to be funny about it but like I had really close family members pass away one after the other in my sophomore year and my friend group at the time was my main source of stability and emotional support and the thing is like we had just become friends that year and so for someone who had only known me for two weeks to then be my main like support system. Jesus Christ, like I I am I can't believe that like those friends stuck around for the year because I was a mess. With that being said, I was always so anxious about being too much, about being a burden, about losing my friends, and every single day I woke up thinking about like is this the day that like I lose my friends? Is this the day that I like fail the class is this the day that I don't know I pass out in the middle of class because I had only slept for two hours but on the surface if you weren't someone who was close to me you would have thought like wow Paula's having the time of her life like she's going out she's having fun she's having a college experience like her nose piercing so cute like but no one really knew what was like going on inside my head <laughs> and at this point, I was referred to counseling, very similar to you, um, mm -hmm. and I was referred to counseling by a professor. Someone tattled on me, um, and I still don't really know who tattled. Um, the word tattled is not the right word to use. It was probably like a classmate or a friend who was concerned. And I think like at the end of the day, I'm so grateful that someone cared about me enough to do that. But in the moment, I was so angry. I was like, I'm fine. I don't know why they want me to go to counseling, blah, blah, blah. Um, I definitely went through the same thing with, with like my parents when mm -hmm. they tried to put me in counseling. Like I was so angry mm -hmm. and 
I remember from like my first two counseling sessions, I didn't say a single word. <laughs> I sat there and just looked at the man and was like, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> See, I had an opposite experience once I got into counseling. I just like kept apologizing to mm. my therapist because I was like, my problems are so minuscule compared to what other people are experiencing. Like, this is a waste of time. I'm so sorry that you like have to see me. Like, don't worry about me. Like, I felt so burdensome to everyone around me, um, including this woman who's literally being paid to listen to me. Like, I just felt so guilty. And funny enough, four years earlier, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was also referred to counseling by mm. my dorm parents. And again, I was like, why am I going to counseling? <laughs> but then again, once I got to my therapist, who, by the way, ended up being like my best friend um, in high school, um, in addition to like my actual group of friends that like were my age, but I loved <laughs> my therapist in high school. That first session, I just spent apologizing. And it was an exact replica of that experience was once I was in college. And it was such a weird kind of like deja vu experience because I was sitting on that couch with my little stress toy. And I was like, I know something is wrong, mm -hmm. but here I am apologizing <laughs> to this person being paid to help me. Like I, I, it was weird. And like to this day, I still apologize oh so much over everything because I'm so anxious about being a burden I think that's where like a lot of my anxiety falls in um and I had a hard time kind of coming to terms with the difference of everyone feels anxious sometimes everyone feels sad sometimes but someone who feels sad sometimes is not the same as someone who has depression and someone who feels anxious sometimes is not the same thing as someone who has anxiety retweet 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 yeah yeah and so I always told myself like oh Paula like you're fine you're just feeling a little anxious you drank too much coffee like you're okay but mm. once I started actually going to my therapy sessions and like not ditching kind of like you. Um, <laughs> my therapist started to explain to me all of the differences between someone who is sometimes anxious and someone who has anxiety. And so then she referred me to a psychiatrist and I was formally diagnosed with anxiety disorder and we figured out like a medicine plan and like all of those things which by the way like did not go too well um with my parents at first because I think that it's a pretty common point of contention in POC households that like mental health isn't a thing like yeah. in the Asian community or I think like not a thing in Latinx community. yeah yeah it's like you feel sad, you get over it. You feel anxious, you get over it. It's like, there is such a kind of, um, what's the word? Not stigma, but like, um, invalidate. Like, mm -hmm. um, it is so common to just invalidate any sort of feeling <laughs> yeah. in our households. And that's not to say that our parents like don't love us or mm -hmm. anything like that, or they don't want us to be happy and like to 
ultimately be okay. It's just that there isn't really a normalization of people who are successful in life also having mental health issues. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, a hundred percent. And like that kind of along that same line, I, I know we've talked about how I dealt with going to see a counselor for the first time when I was like 12, but I want to just for clarity reasons state that like I went to counseling for like maybe like a month and mm-hmm. then I I stopped going um eventually like I was just not forced to go anymore and so I I just didn't go and so I went on into my high school experience and everything um and things did start to turn around a little bit more there um because I was surrounding myself with people who felt um that I was a priority and like helped me kind of see and regain that positive outlook that I had once had. Um, But that didn't mean, again, that my depression went away or anything like that. Um, And I still struggled with it. And it was actually my senior year of high school where like, I don't even remember really what was going on, but I was in my like homeroom and I, I was just, I was like writing, reading my book, like the book I was supposed to be reading for class. And I was reading and I was sitting at my desk and I was just like crying, like crying very silently to myself. And like, you know, there was no, there was no real reasoning behind it other than like, I was just like fed up and like, I was upset and, um, you know, nothing like had happened that day. Um, and my, my homeroom teacher um, was like, you know, Vidi, what's wrong? And I was like, mm-hmm. nothing. And she was like, you're crying. And I was like, so, <laughs> and um, at this point, my, I don't know if it was my mom or had, had reached out to my count or to my, um, my homeroom teacher or my homeroom t- teacher reached out to my mom. Um, but point is I got pulled out of my elective later that week. And I, I got sent to see the counselor in high school. So this was the first time I had seen a counselor since I was 12 years old. And at this point I was what, 17. So like five years later, um, and the counselor was like, what's going on? And I was just like, I've been like this since the day I stepped foot into this school, but no one has noticed because I get straight A's. Mm-hmm. And and before I could even finish that sentence, the counselor like said the same words as I did. Like, you know, when like you already know what someone's going to say, so you yeah. like say it with them. Like the counselor literally said the same thing. And I remember that so vividly because I was just like, oh, okay, so you you know that people who do well in school also suffer from mental health issues. Like, you're not oblivious to that fact, but somehow, like, the people I always see you talking to or pulling from class are, like, the people who I know are not doing well academically. Mm-hmm. And, like, those are the people who are, who are prioritized in receiving those services. And oftentimes, it was men at my school Um and not to say that I, I knew personally what they were dealing with, right? That That's their own story. And like, I, I wasn't involved in any of that by any means, but um, I rarely ever saw women. And I went to a school that was predominantly like, and when I say predominantly, I mean like like 98% of the, the women there were women of color, like the students. Um, I rarely ever saw women get pulled to like for mental health services at, mm-hmm. at my school um and so that's that's just another thing like dynamic like we're two women of color um who have who struggle with mental health um and women of color overall in general in the U.S. are 
underdiagnosed mm-hmm. um, for mental health issues for a variety of reasons. Yeah, no, I think it's because, again, like I'm, I'm speaking out of my ass, like I don't really know, but I think because there is such a contradiction between being like, there's no room for failure, really, when you are a woman of color in the U.S., um, especially if you are a woman of color from a family who immigrated to the U.S. It's like there is this narrative and this push for us to succeed and to be okay all the time um, and that we're strong and resilient. I have many mixed feelings about the word resilient because bullshit (laughs) yes what it is (laughs) like there are so many like um social emotional like education theory that uses resilience as the thing that all students should strive for and like how educators can really encourage resilience in their students but resilience I why are students and people expected to just ignore and work through their problems all the time I don't know how to word this in a more sound way but I personally just have issues with pushing the narrative of resilience onto people of color students of color women of color men of color especially Mm -hmm. like you don't have to fucking be resilient like all the time um you can ask for help you should ask for help um you are not on your own Ugh, it, I'm, it's just so frustrating because it is such a buzzword um mm-hmm. in the education community and like I feel like I am one of few people who really don't like the concept of resilience <laughs> um so I don't know I think it's kind of that that same idea of like resilience and like grit <laughs> Like, do, do you like remember all those articles we read in like human development courses about grit? Oh my god, I was just like, why are you teaching POC grit? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why, what is the root of this? Yeah. I, I always say that, like, what is the root? But I think, like, that's really what you need to get at. Like, why did this start that you needed to teach POC resilience and grit? Like, mm-hmm. I think the problem, here's the problem that I see with like grit. And I think they're on the same level. They're operating mm-hmm. on the same wavelength that the, at least at the way that we're talking about it right now, um, is that when you are a person of color and you're being taught resiliency or to strive for, for these qualities and these characteristics to be a part of your personality, it's put grit and resiliency, put it on the individual person. They put that pressure on the individual person to overcome systemic barriers such as racism, classism, elitism, sexism, all of those things. They put it on the individual person to overcome those problems, those barriers and praise them, right? If they if they can and then in turn guilt them if they can't. Mm-hmm. instead of addressing the fact that there are systems in place that are actively working against people of color and that is my problem with teaching kids especially kids of color the idea that they should strive 
to incorporate grit and resiliency into yes oh my god I love it when VD takes what I'm thinking and actually makes it understandable that's my favorite (laughs) that's my favorite part of our friendship (laughs) um yes that is exactly what I was trying to say um and I think that that like kind of like pulling it back to what we were originally talking right, about. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I think that's why it it took such a long time for both of us to figure out what was happening because we were like, we can fix ourselves. We yeah. did for a long time or not fix, but like just pretend everything was okay. Um, but then at night, 3 a.m., you're in your bed and you're like, I'm so fucking sad. Like, or yeah. I'm so fucking nervous. Mm-hmm. That when I wake up, everyone's going to be mad at me. Like, you know, like that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, there's also, I mean, I was dealing with, um, I was, I was pretty, I was dealing with pretty bra- bad depression during my senior year of college. So very recently um, I was just having like episodes, I guess, or like wait, my depression was hitting me in stronger waves than normal. Um, Cause again, I do want to stress the fact, like, even if there are days, like good day, there are good and bad days when you struggle with mm-hmm. depression, like they, even on a good day, you're still a depressed person. Like that doesn't, if you have one yes. good day, that doesn't mm-hmm. erase, you know, your, your, your struggle and that doesn't erase that. Um, and so I was struggling really bad um, my, my senior year, my first semester in particular, um, or actually that whole year, I'm not going to lie. Um, and it was during my student teaching semester, right? So it was the, the semester I I was finally like officially doing the, that last step that I needed to do to get my teacher certification. Um, and it was that semester where I was, my depression was like at an all time high ever since I had started college. Cause in college, at college was actually the first time that I had sought out counseling on my own. Like no one, had pushed me to it. Um, my parents didn't even know I was like seeing a counselor or anything. Like I told, I told my mom, um, but I wasn't hiding it from her or anything. Like I was, it just had not come up. Um, but I had noticed it in myself. Right. And I had sought out help for the first time in college. So, um, when I was a senior and going through my student teaching semester, that was when I was, again, my depression was at all time high there. And that was the first time I had to uh, deal with this issue of like, how do I show up for my kids? Mm-hmm. How do I show up for another group of people who is counting on me to have like this positive outlook and like, you know, bring joy to the classroom? And that's like something that is so important to me as an educator is like to make joy and learning coexist um, because I don't think you can you can have um, you know one without the other really because. I mean, I guess you can, you can have learning without joy, but then that doesn't make for, you know, a conducive learning environment, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, the point is that that was the first time I was like, how do you teach while depressed? Like that was, I had never thought about how my depression was going to affect how I showed up for my kids because I had always been able to show up for myself like and I had always been able to like Paula said like show up to class show up to complete everything on time like I'd always been productive but now I was like like I have to going back to a couple episodes ago I have to fake it till I make it for my kids Mm -hmm. because like how do I 
motivate myself to teach and teach passionately because you have to show up for other people yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that was so hard I had never dealt with that before um luckily I I do I'm feeling a lot better now which is like weird to say when you're in the middle of a pandemic and like I think even now people are people now in particular I think are taking um mental health a little bit more seriously in saying like oh you know we're living in such an unprecedented time like make sure you're doing self-care and like self-care is more than face masks and painting your nails right and so like I think most people are like trying to do that more because a lot of people are starting to see their mental health unfortunately you know deteriorate a little bit with this pandemic happening Mm -hmm. um but oddly enough I feel a lot (laughs) better right now than I did when the world was fine (laughs) And um, it's just, it seems so backwards, but that just goes to show there's, sometimes there really is like no- It doesn't make sense. Yeah, logical rhyme or reason to anything. And like, sometimes it's just, it's really on an individual basis. And Mm -hmm. like, you can't make assumptions about how anybody is feeling or doing, no matter how productive they are, no matter like how successful they might seem, right? And successful is in in quotes there, right? Because- Mm -hmm we all define success in different ways, but that I just, no, I really pointed out. Sometimes like it truly is not environmental and it's all biological. Like you just, mm-hmm. some people just have a chemical imbalance in their head, in their brains. Like they can have everything that would make an average person happy and comfortable and they have a stable income and like they have wonderful friends and a loved one and like good relationships but because of the chemical imbalance in their brain they're depressed and like that happens it really does happen and like that's when things like therapy and counseling and medicine like there is such a huge stigma surrounding those who need medicine to regulate and balance out the chemicals in their brain like fuck like people just need serotonin sometimes and like if (laughs) you gotta fake it sometimes like for sure yeah like those inhibitors in your brain okay (laughs) I'm pulling out all the words right now but like that was a that's actually another difference in like our mental health kind of journeys is that Mm -hmm. you you did medicate right? You, you mm-hmm. were mentioning that, mentioning that earlier. And I never have technically been like formally diagnosed. Like I never went to see um, like a doctor who was like, you are depressed, you know, like, no, like, no, I never got like, you know, um, an award or anything that said like, congratulations, you are officially depressed. Um, it was more of just like, if it quacks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, walked like a duck it's probably a duck (laughs) it was just like one of those things where I was just like bitch I'm depressed like and like that's (laughs) like you know it was it's it showed up in me that in a way that it was just like so blatantly obvious that that was what I was dealing with that I didn't like go through that process of being formally diagnosed or even given the opportunity to to put like contemplate medication or not and so that that's that's another thing and Mm -hmm. I I don't really know how my family would have honestly reacted to that possibility of like being medicated yeah 
I I didn't get medicated until my junior year of college spring semester. So I was officially diagnosed with anxiety um and at the time like <laughs> depressive like episodes. <laughs> but like I didn't formally like pursue getting medicine until my junior year spring semester because I was like okay my circumstances have changed I have like more supportive friends like I feel like I've worked through um the trauma of like losing my family members and at the time I was involved in (laughs) a court case that popped up from my sophomore year of high school but like all of that was technically in the past so my junior year I was like why why am I still feeling this way therapist like (laughs) I, I don't understand and um and again people don't like overcome trauma in a year but for some reason in my head I was like bitch it's been a long time like a couple of sleeps and moons have passed like you you should be better by now um that's another thing about being a a productive depressed person Mm -hmm. though is like you want to like check off the box like depression check Mm -hmm. done anxiety check yeah 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 Um, and so when I continued going to therapy junior year, telling my therapist, like, there are times where I avoid certain buildings because I'm scared I'm gonna, like, run into my old friends and, like, have a mental breakdown and, like, I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping. But then at the same time, I was still getting good grades. I was still, like, in acapella and thriving, like, socially and, like, but then the moment you caught me in that room with my therapist, I was like, I am sad and I can't breathe sometimes because I like my heart just starts racing for no reason and I literally at one point junior year had to look up the difference between an anxiety attack and a heart attack I was like (laughs) what am I feeling right now (laughs) um and oh my god I wish I could look I could find my search history from junior year because there were so many times I was like am I dying Google like what is (laughs) happening um and so It took, I think another thing is it took a really long time to introduce the concept of me not being okay to my parents. Um, Because like I said earlier, I have always been a very joyful person. I'm silly. I like, I'm someone who takes life lightly most of the time, but like, it's so hard to be a happy person with mental health because no one believes you in Mm -hmm. a weird way. Like I was telling my parents, I was just like, no, I'm not telling you that I'm like always unhappy, but mm-hmm. I am happy, but I'm still anxious. Like it doesn't, one doesn't cancel the other out. Like why, why, yeah. why is this how you're viewing this? And they were just like, why is this the first we've heard about this? Like you, you don't seem like you're sad. You don't seem like you're worried. Just like make up, like use your planner. I have like five planners okay first of all like vd you know this i have a wall planner i have two like personal planners i have a google calendar an outlook calendar apple calendar like you i couldn't fix it with my color coding like color coding is not gonna fix this and i feel like we keep going in a circle around this but like the thing is this conversation is never done you know and so i i don't i don't think 
in this episode, I don't think we're going to like reach like a natural, beautiful, tie it up in a bow conclusion. And I think anybody who talks about mental health uh, in the way we're talking about it, right, doesn't reach a like beautiful hallmark ending to this conversation. Because surprise, I'm still anxious and you're still depressed. Yeah, literally. Literally, like this is something that like literally before we recorded this podcast, we were like, should we, what should we talk about? And we were like, oh, maybe we should do a mental health episode. That'd be kind of cool. And Paula was like, you sure you want to do that? Or is, is that too close to home? And I was like, what do you mean too close to home? And I was like, oh, why? Because I'm depressed. Like, <laughs> like and it's just like, bitch, yeah, like that's why. Um, Although but- one of our coping mechanisms that we need to work on is the fact that we like joke about our mental health so frequently. Like TikTok, and- TikTok has taken depression and ran with it. And that's some, uh, I'm in this weird like kind of point of conflict in terms of like, I'm so happy to see that mental health has been normalized in like young teens know the vocabulary of how to describe what they're feeling like preteens know it too and like humor is a really healthy way of coping with (laughs) trauma I guess um is it healthy I don't know Um, I don't know we're not experts again um but like it bothers me when any random person Karen Joe Ben Sam says like I'm so depressed right now because I cried last night or like I have OCD because I like to organize my books by height like no that's really kind of invalidating those who are actually like struggling with mental disorders (laughs) like yeah and it's also like that that also goes to show like such a surface level understanding of different mental health mm-hmm. issues because I I know people with OCD who have been you know diagnosed with that and um it's so much more it's so much more than like you know wanting you like you said like your books organized by height or something or color coding you know or like putting your your pencils in in a in a row, in a row. <laughs> right like like it's so much more than that like the person I'm thinking of, I'm not going to say who they are. It's not, it's not my place or anything like that. But like person that I know who has OCD is like, if you went to their living space, very messy. It's like a very, very messy place. And no, that's no tea, no shade. It's just facts, you know, or just pink lemonade, as we like to say on here. Um, (laughs) And if somebody was operating under the assumption that like OCD means, you know, like every single thing needs to be organized and a certain way and blah 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 like that very surface level definition or understanding that's perpetuated by the media um then they would never walk into the space and be like oh yeah the person who lives here has ocd you know like there's no way that they would know that if they're operating under that that surface level definition and so it's so insensitive to go around saying things like oh like oh i'm so depressed my phone just died like shut the fuck up like that is not like like are you joking right now and it goes along the same lines of like when people this is slightly different but like um like I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before but I I have epilepsy um for the people who don't know um and 
there's so many people, even professors who who I've experienced um, during you know my undergraduate experience, who made jokes about like seizures and like like people like for example something that's really common actually is like when someone's like a bad dancer, they'll they'll be like oh my god you look like you're having a seizure like, and I'm just like mm, as someone with a seizure disorder like first of all that's not at all what a seizure looks like yeah. and like I know you're trying to like draw some sort of simile comparison there um but that's like really fucked up like you know like to say something like that or for somebody who's just like oh like I I'm like people will call other people epileptic like as a insult sometimes and like it's really fucked up and like that happened to me in a class like they they weren't talking to me particularly they're talking to another student um this was a professor talking to a student mm -hmm. um and I was so pissed I almost dropped the class um because I was so mad but instead I I left that class because I you know woman of color could not afford to lose my shit in front of all those people Mm -hmm. and so I left the class at the end you know very quietly packed up my stuff walked out and then came back the next time that we had class I stayed after and I spoke to the professor one-on-one -on -one and I said hey you said this last class and it was fucked up I'm epileptic and I just want you to know that mm -hmm. that was very insensitive and so first of all I shouldn't have to be responsible for holding my professors accountable for that kind of behavior because that behavior shouldn't be happening in the first place but yeah. that that goes that that's like the same mentality that should go across all mental health um disorders I guess conditions I don't I don't know exactly what the proper verbiage there if there's one that's mm -hmm. preferred over the other if there is let us know um because again we're we're not experts we're never done learning um we're always growing in the podcast I'm really bad at singing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. This has been one of our longer podcasts again. Um, but why are, why am like, I not surprised? <laughs> I think that like, this is something I could talk about forever because we have barely scratched touched. the surface. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was going to say touch the surface. Okay. Scratch the surface. That's the same. Um, and maybe we can have like a mental health episode part two because I think that like luckily and unluckily we both have like very I guess uh what are you trying extensive. to say we have extensive experience with mm. um mental health and so I think that like this is something we should definitely revisit in the future um sure. and I know like we covered a lot of ground today but we covered it again on a very surface level like we could talk about mental health in culture we could dedicate a whole episode to just the culture aspect of it. mental health in college right exactly mm -hmm. or mental health in education mm -hmm. like what does that look like I know a lot of professors who are sad because <laughs> they can't I don't want to say they're depressed because I don't know I don't know where they're at mentally but like I know a lot of professors who have expressed um you know feelings about the way that academia works in that you just have to be ready to pick up and move mm -hmm. based on where your job is. Um, and that sometimes means being isolated from all of your loved ones because they might live in a completely different state. Um, so yeah, so I mean, we could talk about this for days and days and days. 
um, but we are not a mental health podcast. Just want to reiterate that. So we are not experts. Um, but if you do want to see more or hear, not see. Mental maybe- health is just one intersection of our identities. You know, like it's yeah. not it's not who we are entirely. It's just a part of it. Right. And so I guess if this was even a little bit insightful or you found a little bit of joy in this episode or comfort. Um, I don't know if there was that much of joy in this episode, but um, (laughs) if if you do want to hear more things like this on mental health, you can head over to our Instagram, let us know, comment somewhere so that we know. We currently don't have a YouTube channel. I don't know if by the time this episode comes out, we will have a YouTube channel. We've been playing around with that idea. Um, So if we do have a YouTube channel, you can feel free to comment on that video. But if we don't, you can always head over to our Instagram, let us know on there because um, we welcome feedback on there and I will do this once we're editing and uploading on um, anchor but in like the bio will include some resources if you or a loved one um, are struggling with any sort of depression anxiety um, anything like that um, suicidal ideation like we will include some like hotlines, some articles, things like that in the bio. Yeah, I'll also include like some some sort of like article or something that kind of condenses that idea of like grit versus resilience mm-hmm. in POC students. Um, I know we, we kind of talked about that. And so for anybody who's interested in that, learning more about kind of, I know we, we glazed over that a little bit. So if anybody wants to learn more about that, we can definitely find some resources on that as well. Mm-hmm. And to end on a lighter note, as we always try to, I'm going to go get a Nutter Butter, um, which is a peanut <laughs> butter cookie, if anyone knows what they, I hope Actually, you know. It's my favorite cookie. And it is also my favorite cookie. Um, so go eat a cookie. Go share a cookie. Go, go be a cookie. cookie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that.